This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. If you want me on Twitter, at Dan Grasa, that is where you can find me, G-R-A-C-A. We'll get to the Mets and the baseball in just a little bit, but we'll finish out the football conversation. And before we get back to the phones, you know, so the 49ers today, really surprising, not necessarily – I don't want to say that I was surprised by it, but I think what the Niners did is smart business more than anything else. Now, we know that Trey Lance is going to be their future. Think about how many draft choices they surrendered to move up to get him last year. And Trey Lance got his feet wet during the season last year, You know, played a couple of games, didn't play awful, played okay. But you could tell that he still wasn't ready as someone that you were just going to turn the reins over to. Remember, his final season, I mean, he barely played at North Dakota State. You know, so you're just going to say, oh, yeah, here, kid, now you're going to be a starter in the National Football League on a team that's pretty good. And Jimmy Garoppolo went out there and got them within a game of the Super Bowl. And so, yeah, I know that Jimmy G had a, you know, had some missteps, and he was making a lot of money, due to make a lot of money. And he's coming off a of shoulder surgery. So, like, all those things conspired to maybe Garoppolo not being around for this upcoming season. I'm sure that there were a lot of clubs that picked up the phone and called John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and said, okay, what is it going to take for us to uh, take Jimmy G off your hands? I thought Cleveland should have picked up the phone and done that after Watson got his suspension. Um, you know, you could probably think about a couple of other teams. I mean, we were even toying around the idea about the Giants, but they're not going to do that now. They want to see what they have with Daniel Jones. But San Francisco, I guess, didn't get an offer that they saw fit. Oh, yeah, I should. I, I, how can I forget? How many people had the Jets already acquiring Jimmy G on that Friday night when they lost to the or when they beat the Eagles when Zach Wilson got hurt in the preseason? Right, everybody already was fitting Garoppolo for a Jet uniform that night after Zach went down. You know, David Chow basically had uh, Zach Wilson's leg getting amputated by uh, the end of the third quarter after the initial prognosis on video. Jimmy G, a jet, all those things. Well, now Jimmy G is going to be in San Francisco still. And I think it's a wise move. Because if you look at the 49ers, I don't think, you know, I'm breaking any news when I say this is a club that's good enough to do some good things this year. Look at how easily they could have went all the way a season ago. Right? So why would you automatically just punt on this year and put all of your blind faith in a quarterback who really does not have a track record of success. We don't know if Trey Lance is going to be good or not. He may be. He might not be. But all I know is, is that let's say the Niners got rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and something happened to Trey Lance. You're going to then turn it over to Nate Sudfeld? Who? You think that would go over well in the locker room? Look at the Niners roster. They got talent. They're loaded. Remember, they signed Debo Samuel. They gave him the money that he wanted. You know, he was another one of these, you know, trade me guys. They didn't trade him. They kept him around. Because you don't just get rid of bad players. You don't just get rid of players that, 
you know, even though they want to get paid a little bit more and they demand that you trade them, that's not how working business in the National Football League and pro sports is supposed to go. Don't let the players or their agents dictate where they're going to play or where they want to play. No, you decide. You have the leverage. I mean, it seems like we talked about that enough with the Nets, with the whole Kevin Durant debacle. You are the ones that make the rules, not the players. So for San Francisco, this is a no-brainer. They restructure the contract. You're only paying them now $6.5 million this year. It's a win-win. All right, I know that it might seem a little bit awkward in that room, and he thinks, well, you know, what did I do to lose my job other than not being as young as Trey Lance? But, all right, fine. But does anybody really think that Trey Lance is going to play all 17 games this year for the 49ers? I sure as hell don't. I think that Jimmy G is somebody that's you're going to hear from at some point here for the 49ers this season. Because I think that Trey Lance is somebody that probably will have his hiccups. And I'll repeat the story again. You know, talking to veterans that shared a locker room with Jimmy Garoppolo, that shared a huddle with Jimmy Garoppolo, they can't say enough good things about the guy. Leadership. Respect. Command. All right? That carries weight in the room. That carries weight in the huddle. Guy's not afraid to accept responsibility. Put it on my shoulders. Owns his mistakes. Not pointing fingers. Doesn't make excuses. That goes a long way in a room. And that's something that Trey Lance doesn't have yet. He hasn't earned that yet. And the guy's been in the NFL for five minutes. So when push comes to shove, I mean, I think that the brass for the 49ers, they probably said to themselves, you know what, do we really want to go into this season with an unproven backup quarterback to an unproven starting quarterback? That's professional suicide right there, especially if you're a championship caliber club. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Edwin in the Bronx, he's up next. 98.7 98.7 ESPN. Edwin, how are you? I'm good, sir. How are you today? Edwin, how are you doing? I'm good. All right. Um, I'm just going to put my GM hat on for a second here. Just bear with me one second here. Yeah. Um, do you remember when uh, – I forgot what team it was that drafted Josh Rosen. Do you remember that a couple of years ago? What team drafted Josh Rosen? That would be the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals, right? Mm-hmm. And what did they do? They decided that in one year that he was not the answer, and they went. They just went and got another quarterback, right? Well, they also went and got a new coach too. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not hating on the kid. I think the kid got talent, Zach Wilson. I think he has talent. I think the kid mm-hmm. can throw and everything else. But I just don't think. I think they already messed him up. I don't think he should have started his first year to begin with, coming out of BYU to run an NFL offense with no talent. He gets hurt. Now he gets hurt again. What is this guy's really fear? What is he going to be? You know, they, I, I, I'm just so fed up with the Jets and the, the messing up of quarterbacks. The best quarterback we've had in the last what, 20 years is Mark Sanchez. I mean, you messed up with Donald. I mean, where are we going? Like, this, guy, this kid is not going to be able to take us anywhere we need to go. We need to cut our cords now and probably prepare for next year. And sadly, I think that's where we're going to be next year in the top five draft picks. Again. Mm. And I'll leave it at that. I know I'm lying, but um, I'll just leave it at that. Have a great night, Edwin. Thanks for the call. Um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll say this. If the Jets are picking in the top five next year with their own pick, not because they make some sort of trade and get somebody else's you know, top five pick. If the Jets are selecting in the top five of the draft next year based on their finish to this season, something obviously went horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. And there's going to be several changes going into 2023. Okay? Several changes. Not just one or two or this position or that position. It's going to be a lot of changes. Because this team is better than that. Now, what Edwin was saying about the way the Jets began last year with Zach Wilson, if you want to get on them and say they should have had a little bit more security in terms of a backup option for Zach Wilson, yeah, I agree. I think they would probably agree. Because guess what? They went out and brought Joe Flacco back. Right? They went back and brought that veteran presence in where they didn't have it at the beginning of the year. So they kind of admitted their own mistakes and said, hey, this is what we need. Not knowing that Mike White was going to go out there and do what he did against the Bengals on Halloween and all that other stuff, but they also made it a priority to re-sign Joe Flacco at the end of this year and make sure that he was here. So now when Zach Wilson got nicked up again, you got that veteran you could turn to. Which, by the way, I, I know that there's speculation out there and as to what's going to happen on, uh, on the 11th. At this point, you're probably just better off banking on Joe Flacco playing that first week. I don't know if anything has changed. I know that Zach was out there riding the bike yesterday, didn't have a brace on the knee. You know, seems like he's ahead of schedule, progressing. But are they going to rush him back if he's not 100%? Last year, they were super careful with him when he got hurt in the middle of the season. Remember, they wouldn't bring him back until he was 150%. So I could see them doing exactly the same thing this time around. You know, the Ravens are not the team, and that ain't the defense you want to be playing against if you're maybe hesitant a little bit. One of the wheels ain't working as it should. So, yeah. Probably right now you expect Flacco unless we get information from Robert Sala tomorrow to where, hey, surprise, surprise, Zach Wilson's good to go. But the Jets aren't going to come out and say that. The Jets are no different than any other team. They're going to want to go out there and, and, and keep Baltimore guessing. Let Baltimore go out there and prepare for two quarterbacks. Now, they know Flacco, but let them also go into that game with the planning stage of maybe we got to worry about Zach Wilson, too. You know, keep the defense guessing. But we're still, what, a little less than two weeks away from the game? You're asking me right now who I think is going to be starting week one. It's probably going to be Joe Flacco. Probably going to be him. 800-919-3776. Arthur Long Island, up next, 98.7 ESPN. Art, how we doing? I'm doing good. I love your work. Thanks, So Art. you were just saying what the uh, – uh, Jimmy G's uh, position in the room was well-respected mm -hmm. and all this. I'm wondering, will he be take the role of a mentor or will he try and sandbag uh, Trey Lance so that he gets a shot? What do you think? I think, I think neither, to be quite honest with you. I, I, I don't think, and, and you know what, even Flacco talked about this when he was here with Zach Wilson. You know, I don't think a quarterback – you know, even when Eli, you know, had to take a back seat to Daniel Jones, I don't think that you go out and so-called 
mentor somebody. You could be there for them. If they have a question, you answer it. If they, you know, you help them. But I don't think you have to be like essentially like another coach. But I don't think that he's going to be there to sabotage him. That's not that's nothing we have learned about Jimmy G would entail you to think that he's going to go out there and try to sabotage Trey Lance. Like I said, every guy, a couple of veterans speak so highly of him and they say all the leadership traits that he has in that huddle. He learned from his time playing with Tom Brady in New England. I forget who it was. There was another quarterback. Uh, who said, uh, "Well, I'm not here to be a mentor." Do you, do you recall who I'm talking about? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, the there, name I, I know what you're saying, that. and there and there've been a lot in those situations. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, uh, you know, what, was it Flacco? It might have been Flacco. Um, not necessarily with the Jets, but he might have even said it when uh, he was in Baltimore when they brought Lamar Jackson in, and he lost his job to Lamar Jackson. It could have been him, but I don't think it makes them a bad guy, Arthur. I I, I really no. don't. Oh, it was it was um. It was um, Aaron Rodgers for Jordan Love. Exactly. That's a, you got it now. It was Aaron Rodgers. But, and, and, I mean, look how that's worked out. Jordan Love hasn't seen the field, and he's not going to see the field as long as Aaron Rodgers is there because the guy's the best quarterback in the league, and he's the MVP. But, but Arthur, thank you for the phone call. Here's, here's the thing. The bottom line is this, right? If I'm in charge of the team and you look at that 49er roster, they got a good team. Definitely playoff caliber. And if you get a couple of breaks along the way, you know what? You could be playing late in January like you were last year with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. You can't put an operation like that in the hands of a dude who's played two NFL games and doesn't exactly have an extensive body of work in college that can back it up. You know, you think that, you know, people sit here and doubt Zach Wilson. Think about this for a second. The people that say, oh, well, Zach Wilson's not ready. Jets should have never turned over the team to him last year. You know, look at what he did at BYU. It was only one good season, and the competition stunk, and blah, 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 blah. Well, at least Zach Wilson has a, almost a good portion of last season under his belt. Right? I mean, he's at least got that going for him. He's got some NFL experience. Trey Lance barely has that. If the shoe was on the other foot. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. We'll get into some baseball as well. little Mets talk from over the weekend. It's Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yanks in Anaheim to take on the Halos. That'll get underway a little over an hour from now as they kick off a series before then moving on to Tampa after splitting four games 
with the Oakland Athletics. Mets are going to have a day off today. Rest up, get those bats maybe a little bit fresher before the Dodgers come calling manana. Dodgers are uh, playing tonight in Miami, finishing up a four-game series. It'll wraparound action against the Fish. And the Dodgers, I'll tell you, they got some bad news today. And normally, when things are going as well as they are for the Dodgers, right, they're 50 games over 500, 50, 5 right? They're 88 and 38. It's insane how well they've been playing. But the question I even had about the Dodgers before today's news, I wasn't necessarily all in on their starting pitching come playoff time. Walker Bueller, who's their best starting pitcher, got their best stuff. He's gone. He had Tommy John surgery. Clayton Kershaw, I mean, it's not 2014 anymore. He's hit or miss when it comes to the back and the health and that type of stuff. And he still hasn't even rejoined the rotation yet. Dustin May, the dude with the long red hair, he's only made a couple of starts back on his return from Tommy John surgery. And the guys who've been like their two most consistent pitchers all year, Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonsolin, both of those guys have no postseason track record. Well, Gonsolin, earlier today, went on the injured list with a right forearm strain, which you don't have to be a medical professional to figure out That's not good, especially if you're a starting pitcher. So now you take him out of the mix for the Dodgers' postseason rotation. And all I'm saying is if you get them in a series, aside from Julio Urias, who's okay, you know, especially last couple of months of the season, he's pitched pretty well. Anybody else you really fear in that Dodgers starting rotation? Even Kershaw at this stage of the game? I mean, he might wake up one morning and not even be able to pitch because of his back. So that being said, Mets are going to welcome in them for three big games this week. DeGrom is going to pitch on Thursday. Or excuse me, DeGrom is going to pitch on Wednesday against Tyler Anderson. I mean, Andrew, remember Andrew Heaney? Remember the Yankees rolled the dice on him last year? Obviously, it didn't work out. It was terrible. Couldn't get me out. Well, Andrew Heaney's pitching in the Dodger rotation. That's how desperate they are right now. Walker and Heaney tomorrow, DeGrom and Anderson on Wednesday. Thursday, it's going to be Bassett against Dustin May. But, you know, they took three out of four over the weekend from Colorado. And I don't know. Like, I I, I came out of that weekend, just that one yesterday stung for some reason. Right, I know you take a step back and you say, well, you can't win them all, but... You couldn't score a run against Colorado. Colorado, the worst road team in baseball. Herman Marquez, who had an ERA over five, which was the worst in the National League. I don't care what he used to be, but this year, worst ERA in the league, and you couldn't touch him? And Max Scherzer has to have an outing as great as he was yesterday, all go for naught because the bats couldn't score? Right? And I think that that's, The issue that I see with the Mets right now, with the offense, I'm concerned a little bit. You know, Lindor's been really, really good this year. I'm not going to get on him to the extent that, you know, we all did last year. But he's in a funk right now. He's like one for his last 20 or something like that. He's got to pick it up. You know, he's got to get it going here a little bit. And the thing that bothers me about the Mets is that they don't tack on offensively throughout the course of a game. They don't. 
Like Saturday night, Nimmo hits the home run. I mentioned it, lead off the game. But then they really didn't do much. The rest of the like, put the game away. You shouldn't have to sweat that one out with your bullpen late in the game. Score some more runs. And far too often, that, that happened on Thursday with DeGrom. And then he just chalked it up to, well, that's a DeGrom game. They never score for Jacob DeGrom. Right? Like, you know, get it right. Yankee Stadium, those two games in the Bronx, like how many times did they leave runners on base and they can't get that big hit? And this is a trend that's developing here, and you hope that it's maybe just like a late summer funk or, you know, the dog days, whatever you want to call it. But they got to get this thing straightened out because it concerns you. It doesn't matter how good of a pitching performance you get. Whether it's a Scherzer game, at the Grom game, don't matter. if you don't score any runs, you're not helping your pitcher. It's going to be useless. And yesterday, the other part of it that was unfortunate was Braves actually lost. Braves actually lost back-to-back games. How often has that happened? Kenley Jansen walked in the winning run on Saturday night. And Kenley Jansen, let me say this. If you are faced with October, you ain't winning a championship with Kenley Jansen as your closer. You're not. And you're going to say, oh, well, the Dodgers won. Yeah, the Dodgers won. You're right. The COVID season, 60 games, Kenley. But guess what? Kenley didn't close out the World Series, folks. That's how much faith Dave Roberts had in him. He put Julio Urias, a starting pitcher, in there to get the final, you know, what, six, seven outs of that game. Not Kenley Jansen. He had seen enough already. And, I mean, he had a game the other, I mean, like, like he was blindfolded trying to throw strikes. And then last night, the bullpen can't hold it. St. Louis gets a couple of big shots, and they win two out of three in that series. So they help out the Mets. They don't lose any ground, and it's still a three-game cushion in that National League East. Here's the thing about the Braves, and we told you the schedules last week. The Mets' schedule a lot more favorable than Atlanta's the rest of the season. The other thing about the Braves, and I'm not sitting here trying to dunk on them in any way because they're the defending champs. They've been the best team in baseball since June the 1st. They're really, really good, and they're a team you shouldn't take lightly, especially with that offense. But the Braves have a losing record this year against teams with winning records. And they feasted on the also-rans. Braves are 27-30 and 30 against plus 500 teams. Against losing teams, they're 52-20. and 20. And the Braves' schedule the rest of the season is a lot more difficult than the Mets. You know, they've got to play a few more contenders than, let's say, the Mets have to deal with. And remember, they only have the Mets three more times. And it's late in the season. It's in that final week uh, first week of October down there in Atlanta. You hope the division is going to be wrapped up by then. You hope. Let's hear from Max Scherzer after yesterday's game about this upcoming series against the L.A. Dodgers. No, it matters. I mean, they have obviously they've had a great season so far in what they've been able to do. And you know, you you play this game to face the best. Now, obviously, they've been they've been one of the best teams in in, in all of baseball. So, you know, for them to come in town, uh, you want to beat them. So it's a great op- opportunity for us, a great challenge for us uh, to go out there and face them. This poor guy can't get his 200th win either. I mean, he's tried the last couple of times to to get win number 200 for his career. I mean, you give up one run yesterday, and I thought he was going to get out of it yesterday too, in that seventh inning. You know, when he had a couple of essentially like swinging bunts that, you know, found pay dirt and guys were able to reach. I, I still thought he was going to get out of it. But Colorado was able to get one home there on the sacrifice fly, and that spoiled the perfect afternoon. It happens. 
But it's great having this guy anchoring your rotation with Jacob DeGrom. And if these guys could stay healthy, that's why you still like their chances come the postseason. You really, really do. You know, the Braves have flaws. Dodgers Dodgers can be 60 games over 500. It doesn't matter. That starting pitching does not scare me come playoff time. It does not. And remember, the Dodgers did not do anything at the trade deadline to bring in another starting pitcher because they said, oh, Walker Buehler's coming back. Dustin May's coming back. Clayton Kershaw's coming back. Well, one of them is gone, and we still haven't seen Kershaw yet. Everything is shaping up well for the Mets, but they got to snap out of this offensive funk, too, here a little bit. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We come back. I don't know how many of you were out there. I don't know how many of you got a chance to see it. I'm sure a lot of you. But just some thoughts on what I thought was a grand slam for the organization on Saturday with the old-timers day and what it meant to so many. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Serena takes the first set. 6-3, 6-3, so she's off and running, so one set away to the second round. And, hey, baby steps. I don't care how much you've won and everything that she's done in her career. All that stuff doesn't mean anything right now. Uh, different ball game, different stage, different tournament, whatever. You take them one at a time. You can't even say one match at a time. you got to take it one set at a time if you're her. But she's halfway to a victory, and that's all you can ask for right now. We'll see if she can lock this one down here and make it a uh, routine two-setter or if she's going to be pushed to the distance here for three We'll keep you posted on what's going on there. Uh, good scene, always opening night at the U.S. Open. Great scene on Saturday at uh, City Field with the Old Timers Day. And I was bummed out because, you know, I had tickets for it and I wanted to be out there because this is not something that happens every year, obviously. It hasn't happened in almost 30. But, you know, ended up on the I.L. and couldn't make it out there. So I had to give up the tickets. And, you know, but I watched it at home and... It was fantastic. And, if you, you know, you look at the list of names and, and, and the people that were there. It really covered all 60 years of the history of the New York Mets franchise. And, yeah, it's kind of cliche in this type of thing, and it might seem old, and you're probably, you know, hearing every single person there mention it. It's like, okay, enough is enough is enough. Stop kissing up. No, but it's true. It all goes back to the owner, Steve Cohen. He made this happen. You know, a lot of these guys, they don't, they don't need to do this. They didn't need to get on a plane, come all the way back to New York City late in the summer and spend an entire weekend having to do all these obligations and, you know, this and that and media. And that costs money. You know, even some of the players were joking about it. It's like, you know, it doesn't happen for free. You think Pedro Martinez, out of the goodness of his heart, just going to show up and be like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll hang out with a couple of guys who were nowhere near as good as I think about it. Pedro Martinez is like baseball royalty, right? Baseball royalty. 
And this guy wasn't even like, you know, he's not even known as a Met. It was fun when he was a Met, but he's not known as a Met. You know, he never won here. Think about it. The year that they made the playoffs when he was here, he wasn't even in the part of the postseason because he got hurt. And that was one of the reasons I think they contributed to the Mets not getting all the way in 2006. And Pedro even talked about it, too. And I thought it was interesting when he said, you know, that I, I, I went and I told, you know, DeGrom and I told Scherzer, said, finish off what we couldn't do in 06. He said, because it still haunts me to this day. And I thought that that was pretty telling, really and truly. You know, I thought it was great to see a guy like David Cohn. You know, because David Cohn, just because of, like, recent history, it's almost like David Cohn has been stolen by, like, the Yankees. And if you're not of a certain age and you don't remember, it's like, hey, David Cohn was a Met before he was a Yankee. And I know, of course, Cohn has been, you know, announcing Yankees games with yes and all that stuff for so long as well. But, you know, I know he won more. As a Yankee, like in terms of team success, because he was part of, you know, the four world championships and whatnot. And Cone, remember, he got to the Mets in 87, the year after they won it all in 86. But David Cone was a really, really good Met. Really, really good Met. As a matter of fact, like peak David Cone was better as a Met than he was as a Yankee. You know, go look up the numbers. David Cohn was a better Met than he was a Yankee. It's just that he's going to be remembered more for being a Yankee because he was part of the four world championship teams. He announces their games and and so on and so forth. But it was really good to see him back in a Met uniform and being part of the old-timers festivities. And, and look, you know, the 86 guys have been around because they've done those reunions. Um, even just seeing some of the guys from 2000, which, you know, when you see how they've aged in just like 20 years, like to me, 2000, for example, seems like five minutes ago. Like, I can remember that year and that whole time like like it was yesterday. And to see some of those guys and how they've aged, and it's just like, my gosh, it's, you know, it really has been a few years. But it was just so cool to see. And, I mean, the ones, you know, the, the guys from, you know, 62 were there and, you know, those early teams in the before 69. The fact that they were able to bring all them back. And you got, like, Steve Dillon, for crying out loud, who was how old on the mound, throwing from the mound, you know, 60 feet, 6 inches in that game, still slinging it up there. That was great to see. And they told me that they didn't necessarily saw it on TV, but Dillon, even I think it was Mookie who tattooed one deep to left field off of him, Steve Dillon still ran and backed up home plate like a pitcher is supposed to do on a play like that. You know, it was fantastic. You know, little things like that. And, you know, the appreciation that the players had for the weekend and for the ceremony and for them being able to, you know, see so many guys that, you know, they don't cross paths with anymore. And it's, you know, you could text somebody or you could call somebody, but it's not the same as actually, like, seeing them face-to-face and for, you know, the Mets and Steve Cohen to bring this whole, you know, family together and to bring this whole organization's history together for one weekend I thought it was fantastic and you know there's a lot of things that you could get on the previous ownership about a lot of things and there were a few players that didn't have uh, glowing things to say about them and I think that they're valid is that they didn't celebrate the past enough they didn't and it's not just because of old timers day um you know but one of the things that I, I think is kind of always precarious is the whole subject of, like, the retired numbers. And if you think about Steve Cohen, you know, since he took over, the Mets have retired, what, three numbers already. 
just in the couple of years that he's owned this team, right? Jerry Kuzman, Keith Hernandez, and then the big surprise on Saturday with Willie Mays. And I had no idea it was happening. Mets did an unbelievable job keeping it a secret. And there's people out there that think, oh, what are they retiring Willie Mays? And, and, you know, some people's inclination is to say, oh, they're turning into the Yankees now. You know, that they retire guys' numbers after they, you know, go out there and, and have a three-hit game. You know, you get a plaque in Monument Park. But I think the Willie Mays situation is a little bit different. It's, it's more ceremonial in the sense that it's more about, like, his relationship to New York baseball, more so than anything with the Mets. I mean, it goes without saying. He was only a Met for a couple of years. And it was at the tail end of his career. And, you know, the old anytime now you see a, a, a guy well past his prime in whatever sport it is, and maybe they're just hanging on for the sake of hanging on, and maybe they shouldn't be playing. You know, what's the old joke or the old saying? It's like, you know, they're, they're going to be like Willie Mays falling down in the outfield, you know, with the Mets at Shea Stadium, you know, when he was, you know, 40-plus years of age there in, in, you know, 1973 with this team. But it was more about, like, what he did for New York baseball. And, you know, before he was a San Francisco Giant, he had a lot of great years with the New York Giants. Not as many as San Francisco, but still, New York. And the story that they told, of course, Joan Payson, who was the former owner of the Mets, you know, made a promise to Willie that, you know, if he came here, if he came back to the Mets... You know, if they were able to bring him back to New York, that they would get that number retired one day. And it happened, you know, obviously past when she went on living. Um, and I never heard that story before. I don't know how many of you did. I never had crossed my path once in, you know, forever. That that was a promise that was made. And you would think that maybe it would have seen the light of day. You know, Willie Mays is still around. I know that he's not as mobile and doesn't get out and about as much. But, you know, Willie Mays, you know, tells story. I mean, he's told plenty of stories over the years. And this was how many years ago? F- almost 50 years ago, you know, when he, when he last uh, was playing. So you mean to tell me in 50 years that nobody shared that story? Not once? So for them to keep it a secret, you know, more power to them, really. More power to them. And it was a tremendous day. I don't know if it's something that they're going to do each and every year, to be quite honest. I wouldn't mind it. I mean, the Yankees do it each and every year. This year they didn't. They didn't play. They did a ceremony, which kind of, I don't know, left a lot to be desired. But if you're going to tell me that the Mets are going to do old-timers day each and every season, I, I'm all for it. Because you should celebrate the history. You know, you should connect the past with the present because I think that it also spurs then future generation. You talk about, you know, with baseball more than any other sport, like how do you get the young people involved? How do you keep the young people engaged in that type of thing? It's things like this. Taking the past, paying it forward to the future, and learning about those that came before. You know, you're a Met fan. Okay, fine. Well, it's not just about the guys on the team now, Jacob DeGrom and Pete Alonzo and Lindor. Well, you know what? There were guys that laid the foundation for them. Guys that actually won. Guys that actually have rings. Learn about them. And unfortunately, if you're a Met fan, it was way too long ago. Way too long than anybody would want it to be. 1986 may seem like, you know, five minutes ago to you, but in reality, 30-plus years ago. That's a long time. It's closer to 40 years than it is, you know, 20. And you hope that changes soon. I never got an explanation, though, as to where David Wright was for this thing over the weekend. You know, you would think that he'd be the... I mean, 
he's probably the next guy to have his number retired when you're talking about the Mets. I mean, he's, you know, lifelong Met, a lot of the records, never gotten any trouble. So he'll have that number five up there in the left field rafters or whatever you want to call them. I'm surprised he wasn't at the old-timers day, like the first one in years and years. I mean, Reyes was there. Him and Reyes are kind of like locked at the hip. They both came up basically at the same time. I'm surprised that David didn't show up. I know he lives out in California, but I didn't hear a reason why. Unless David Wright is pulling the Jeter, because Jeter doesn't play in old-timers days because he thinks he's not an old-timer yet. So, you know, he didn't want to be bothered with that stuff. Remember, Jeter didn't show up to Paul O'Neill's thing either. I don't know if Wright thinks he's in that category with the Mets. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Couldn't tell you, but it would have been nice to see him there. He's probably the only guy that you think about, like, that wasn't there, that you kind of expected to be there. And I'm sure that'll change moving forward. But we'll wait to see if it's an annual occurrence. But I say, I, I think on behalf of a lot of the Mets fans, a thank you to the organization and to Steve Cohen for really doing something that should have been done many, many times over in the last several years. You know, it should not have been close to 30 years without there being an old-timers day. And I'm pretty confident to say that it's not going to be close to 30 years until there's another one for the New York Mets because now they're run by people that get it, you know? And they actually like the Mets, too. How about that? And I think that could take you a long way, at least in terms of building that bond with your fan base. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. We'll talk about the other baseball team, the Yanks. They're taking on the Halos coming up here next hour. We'll talk about the state of the Bombers as well. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Let's side out my buddy. Lonnie in Harlem. He is up next. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Lonnie, what's shaking, my friend? Dan the man, what's going on? Sorry I'm not calling all the way in from Lichtenstein, but you already know what's <laughs> going on. Now, they're sleeping over there tonight. They, You know what it is? They get the podcast. By the way, by the way, I should have said this earlier. Podcast up and running on the app, the ESPN New York app, oh, ESPNNewYork.com, yeah. Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever the hell you get podcasts. We got the show up there, the thumbnail, the page. It is all there. So if you can't get the show live, you go back and listen to your little hardest content. So let's get that out there. As they should. Um, first of all, Dan, you already know I got to shout out my people, the company. So shout out to all of those. Love those, the company. Uh, you know, company members as well. Uh, yeah, we love the company. Um, but Dan, I just called in as I was speaking to Jacob, like you was talking about with um, Steve Dillon and everything. It's crazy because I went to Old Thomas game. I had took my brother to the um, to the Mets team because he's a Mets fan. As you know, I'm a Yankee fan through and through. But um, I had took him because you know I was trying to get him more into the you know to the to the team because you know they're doing pretty good. And it's funny because as we le- as I'm about to leave, I'm watching Steve Dillon pitch and everything, and I'm sitting here like, yo, he's throwing smoke for somebody that's 79 years old. <laughs> Boom, I get to the stadium. I'm sitting in Section 130, right? His whole family sitting in Section 130. I happen to turn around while I'm eating a burger. This man is standing right behind me, Dan. It's like deja vu. So, you know, I you know, I finished up eating and everything, and I was just – I told my brother, pardon me. And I just had to go up there, you know, say my piece to him and everything, and I um, got a photo with him. And he's such a nice man because he was in the middle of signing a bunch of autographs and things of that nature. 
And then he was like, well, no problem. He, he turned around and somebody, I think in his family, actually took the picture from me. So it was a great event. Um, it was, and like I said, it was just crazy that she was talking about that. And it's crazy that before I left, I'm watching him pitch. And then like two, like no more than an hour later, he's right behind me. So it was just crazy. It was a deja vu event. So I just had to call in and tell you that um, I've done what I came to done. Thanks for taking my call, Dan. Lonnie, good stuff. And, yeah, and I saw the picture. You sent me that picture uh, on Twitter, um, and, and that was really cool of him. So, and think about that. You know, and these things, you know, the, it, Mets could have sold all those tickets, right? For an event like this, Mets could have easily sold out all those tickets. But instead, you think about all these people they flew in, all the players, families, so on and so forth. Mets are footing the bill for those tickets, putting them in the stands, putting them in suites, whatever they were doing. That was nice. It was a perfect, perfect event. Long day, but hey, and he got a victory at night in the real game. What more could you ask for? We'll talk some Yanks, among other things, to start hour number three. Dan Grosser Show, 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>